Additional qualities of mindfulness. Let's go a bit deeper to explore more ways to enhance your state of mindfulness. Developing these five qualities can help you cultivate a more mindful approach to life. Beginner's Mind A beginner's mind is essentially thinking like a child. It is a process of observing the world around you in a manner of curiosity, interest, and joy, rather than resistance and false emergencies. This means to look at the present moment, see what is in it, and experience it completely. Mindfulness suggests openness in how you observe experiences, rather than through the filters of your own beliefs, assumptions, expectations, and desires. It involves seeing things as if for the first time. It is an observation full of curiosity, interest, and joy. You can regain the quality of beginner's mind by returning to a more childlike way of being. This is how you were when you were young. Little children look at the present moment and experience it fully. Consider how silly it would seem to us if we heard a child carry on with the following rant. Oh my goodness, I'm so worried about having to go play with Tommy later today. He's probably going to make me jump on his trampoline. And then I'm going to have to eat some food. And why did I look at Susan that way? She probably thinks I'm such a loser. They don't think that way, and neither should you. Gerald Jampolsky captures the essence of a beginner's mind with these thoughts. I have often thought that we have much to learn from infants. They have not yet adapted to the concept of linear time with a past, present, and future. They relate only to the immediate present, to right now. As we become older, we tend to accept the adult values which emphasize projecting past learning into the present and anticipated future. It is difficult for most of us to have even the slightest question about the validity of our past, present, future concepts. We believe that the past will continue to repeat itself in the present and future without the possibility of change. Consequently, we believe we are living in a fearful world where, sooner or later, there will be suffering, frustration, conflict, depression, and illness. Non-judging Non-judging is basically making a detached observation. When you observe your surroundings without forming judgment, applying expectations, or analyzing the situation, you experience increased awareness. Detached observation happens when you passively notice without adding judgments to what you're noticing based on your beliefs, expectations, and preconceptions. Let's say you call somebody up on the phone. Your friend is having a rough day. You ask her if she would like to go to lunch. She snaps that she doesn't have time for you or your lunch. She quickly hangs up. The reality of this situation, what is happening, is she said some words to you about not having time to go eat food together. Under normal circumstances, you might begin to create many inaccurate assumptions about what those words mean to you. In reality, her anger had nothing to do with you, but your mind still fills with all sorts of judgments about her and your relationship with her. It's important to simply drop the need to have those thoughts race through your mind. You must consciously put an end to those inaccurate streams of thoughts. It may even require saying the word stop to yourself. Perhaps you've repeatedly relived an argument you had with someone and you finally decide that you do not want that movie playing on your mental screen any longer. Remind yourself that this argument took place in the past. It doesn't exist now except when you choose to think about it. 
Say stop and then focus on what is here and now. This is possible to do with any set of thoughts that aren't to your liking or are causing you to feel threatened. You may have to work at this until you get the hang of it. The more you practice, the easier it becomes. Non-striving Non-striving suggests that giving up our need to change or do anything will help us to be content with just being. Thus, one is content in experiencing life without the urge to be actively involved in the process of doing something. You let go of wanting something else to happen. You're content with being. It has been said that we might more aptly be called human doings rather than human beings, as most of us are more inclined to be doing than being. Alan Watts captured this idea perfectly with the following comment. No one imagines that a symphony is supposed to improve in quality as it goes along, or that the whole object of playing it is to reach the finale. The point of music is discovered in every moment of playing and listening to it. It is the same, I feel, with the greater part of our lives, and if we are unduly absorbed in improving them, we may forget altogether to live them. Non-attachment Non-attachment is refraining from identifying with objects that are of personal interest to us. It is a process of letting go. Therefore, you allow things to be as they are. This important aspect of mindfulness involves resisting the need to cling emotionally to anything, ideas, events, or periods of time to which you are commonly attached. Let me clarify this idea with an experience that I had. The concept of being mindful hit me with such power on one particular occasion that it literally changed my entire outlook on life. I was in the middle of my work on my bachelor's degree, and I was preparing to take a major test for one of my classes. Much of my grade for the class, and ultimately succeeding in my major, depended on this test. I studied like a madman for days. I thought I knew all I needed to know. The day came to take the test. I parked my car and walked to the campus testing center. Talk about stress, 300 people in a large room, all doing nothing but taking tests. I arrived at the place where I gave the person my ID card. I got my test and Scantron, the sheet where I put the answers to all the test questions, and found a desk where I would spend the next few hours. It was a tough test, but I was confident I knew the material. Finally, I finished and went to the place where I gave the person my completed exam. I waited a few minutes to get my results. Sheer anger, horror, and anguish all hit me at once when I saw that I had gotten a D on the test. I was so upset. How could this professor have been so evil? I can't stay in the major with a D. What was I going to do now? These and a thousand similar-sounding questions and derogatory remarks flew through my head like a flood gushing down a steep mountainside. I was in deep despair. This was really bad. My future suddenly looked bleak. As I walked back to my car in this very sour state, I happened to look up. It was late October and the trees were in their autumn mode of changing colors. Off in the distance to the west the sun was setting. Its reflection was bouncing off the large lake that rested on the other side of the city. Looking to the east I saw the hues of light from the setting sun bounce off the enormous mountains in a way that made them appear beautiful red and gold. Mother Nature offered a truly spectacular sight to me that afternoon. In that moment, I caught myself in my tirade of angry thoughts. It occurred to me that I had a choice. 
I could continue to work myself up into a frenzy over a test that was in the past and worry myself sick about my now uncertain future. Or I could stop and watch this beautiful scene of dazzling colors of trees, mountains, a lake, the sunset, and unparalleled beauty that was unfolding in front of me. For the next 20 minutes, I sat and watched one of the most beautiful sights I had ever seen. It was a spectacular event in every way. Curiously, it's a scene that happens every day with some variation. I just never stopped to look. After it was over, I walked to my car feeling incredibly peaceful. I was different, really. The joy of the sunset had replaced the anger and fear I felt previously. The stress was gone. I somehow knew that everything would turn out fine, which it did, as it usually does.